The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 1. It's good to see you all here today. Praise the Lord for a beautiful day. The sun came up this morning. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. Amen. It's good to be together. And I'm glad for our guests today. I, I pray that God will encourage your heart and that you'll, you'll, find, um, you'll find exactly what you're looking for today and that the Lord will minister to your heart. Thanks for being with us. We, uh, we're blessed by your presence and uh, appreciate you. And we want to do anything we can to be a blessing to you. Acts chapter 13 uh, in verse number one. Are you all there? Amen. Let's pray and ask God to speak to our hearts. Father, we need you today. Uh, Lord, you've told us that we're your sheep, and sometimes as your sheep, uh, we get scared, and um, Lord, we get burdened down. Sometimes we even fall down. And Lord, to the point where uh, emotionally, um, mentally, we struggle to get back up again, but you told us that you restore our souls. And Lord, I'm asking that you'd restore souls today. And I'm praying that your word um, would be mighty in that, in that goal. Lord, we've gathered together in obedience to you. Not because as the world looks on, uh, we have to in order to get to heaven or fulfill some religious duty. But Lord, we've gathered together because we know it pleases you. And we love being around each other. Lord, we need you and we need each other. And so thank you for giving us this church to gather in. And we pray that you'd meet the needs that are on our heart through your, your word today. Lord, you knew where we'd be in, in this study. And you know what you need to give to us. And so we're praying that you do it. Help us to have sensitive hearts, sensitive minds to your, to your word. And so we ask that you'd bless this time today we give you permission to work in us in jesus name amen let me read if you can't uh, stay standing just because uh uh fatigue or whatever uh you do what's best for you but uh, let's read together now there were in the church that was at antioch certain prophets and teachers as barnabas and simeon that was called niger and lucius of cyrene and menaean which was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas, and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, notice that, by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. Now that would be John Mark that was mentioned uh, in the prayer meeting in the previous chapter. Verse number six. And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Barjesus, which was with the deputy of the, the country, Sergius Paulus, 
a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Now talk about a divine open appointment right there. Desired to hear the word of God. Uh, do you think that there might be some in your life this week that would desire to hear the word of God? Let's pray for that. Let's pray for that. Verse 8, and Eliamus, the sorcerer, for so, he, uh, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who was, it also is called Paul. Yes, we have finally come to that part where we can call him Paul uh, for the rest, of the, uh, the rest of the study. Filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O fool of all subtility and mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wit, uh, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Woo! He called him out, and he called him out by name. Uh, notice that boldness, verse 11, And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. And God's people said, Amen. Now, you may be seated. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want to say it while it's on my mind. Sometimes people tell us that if you're too bold and too straightforward with the truth of the word, that it'll scare people away. But I'll tell you what, in this case, and we see it repeated over and over in Scripture, it was the boldness of those preachers, the boldness of their witness that drew people in. The boldness of declaring the word of God because the word of God is truth and it is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I'm so thankful for this passage of scripture today. Now, I want to remind us about what was going on. I want us to remember what we uh, concluded with last week. We ended with Herod Agrippa I, uh, the first, dying uh, in front of the whole country uh, if you go back and you study a little bit of, uh, of history, we find that that might have been a little bit more of a prolonged uh, a scenario. In other words, the, whole, the eyes of the country was on what was going on uh, in, that, in that moment where he was, um, parasites took over his body. And the Bible talks about that even being uh, perhaps a visible parasite, something that was very gross as he stood and accepted the glory that they were giving to him, glory reserved for God. They said, oh, it's a God. And he was... Uh, as he was uh, uh, on his throne there by the seaside, uh, there on the Mediterranean Sea, uh, his garment was woven together, as I told you last week, it was woven together of silver, so it would have caught in all the glistening morning sun. It was a magnificent, magnificent display of royalty. And when the people began to say, as he came to the throne to say uh, an important announcement, oh, it's a God, it's the voice of a God, and he, he did not tell them to stop. He received the glory. The Bible says the Lord smote him with worms, smote him with a parasite that took him out because he gave not the glory to God. And how important it is to realize that God alone deserves the glory. And I want you just to put yourself in that crowd, in that vicinity, even if you weren't in that crowd, and realize the chaos that would have ensued during those days. Realize that 
some who greatly loved this, this man and, and thought, boy, it's the voice of a God, and, and they had given their allegiance to him. I want you to realize right now this guy has died, and it is known by the hand of God. It's realized that God has stepped down, that this has been a very, very gripping circumstance. And I want you to realize as he died, the people, uh, uh, the people that were loyal to him, they mourned and they mourned uh, according to, uh, according to uh, history. They mourned for some five days just on their faces in the streets crying for what had just happened. There was some unrest that was here, and uh, it was certainly a time of social, uh, social turbulence. But I want you to also think of this. According to history, not given to us in Scripture, God continues to help us to understand what he's doing with the church and oftentimes does not comment on what was going on. I am thankful for a guy like Josephus that, that though not writing biblically, wrote as a historian in that time and sometimes gives us a little bit of coloring around the details, though it's not Scripture. But it is understood that during that time, there were those that hated Herod Agrippa uh, one so very much that they even came after his family and abused his family in such a severe way that Claudius Caesar had to get involved down in, uh, down in the Caesarea area. I want us to grab a picture that there was unrest and there was turbulence going on in that time. Though the Bible just mentions what's going on with the church and skims right over the surface, I want you to know that under the surface in the kingdom of this world, there was chaos going on. There was unrest. There was hurt hearts. There was a struggle going on. And I want us to realize that. I want us to stop for a moment and think about an eagle. Um, back in 2006, um, my wife before we were married, when I was still in my last year of college, she was a year ahead of me. I waited out a year um, before I went in, and I worked in construction. And uh, she, uh, she would stay up nights, I found out later, uh, working and working and working on a project. And uh, I don't even know, I should have asked her what you call this. Can, can someone help me out? What do you call that? It's, it's, well, I, know what the, I know what the picture is. The, what, what do you, it's not cross-stitch. Thank you. And I just, I just lost, go ahead, ladies, just laugh. All right, right now. Is that what it is? Well, we'll figure out later. She's going to, she texts me in a moment. Okay, she's, she's at home with our two little ones today. But anyway, she, uh, she stayed up 2006, and she, I forget when exactly she presented this uh, to me, but uh, it says uh, Sheila Marie Shaw, uh, 2006. Uh, her initials down there, but the verses, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Beautiful picture of an eagle. Um, I want you to think about an eagle for a second. Do you know what uh, eagles are known for? What happens to the eagles when, when a storm comes? They fly. They do not seek shelter like many other birds, but they're known for flying and getting above the storm. Is it any wonder that Jesus told us that if we'll trust in him and we'll put our minds on him, that we'd be like eagles? That we'd run and not be weary? That we'd walk and not faint? Now let's just be honest. I don't care where, where you are this week, but I know one thing, there's storms. 
There are storms in your lives. There are storms in our nation. There are storms. And something that strikes me, and I, I, I'm often amazed at how the Word of God just continues to speak to us and is very relevant. And I'm beginning to, to look in chapter 13 and realize all the unrest that was under the surface that God does not acknowledge in his word because it, it really is so insignificant. He just comments on, the, on his mission, his kingdom, and what continues on and what will not be stopped. And where we get all bent out of shape is we get down in the storm and we even seek shelter, we get rained on, we hear the thunder, we see the lightning, and I am asking you, by faith, to allow Christ to lift you up above the storm, lift you up above the, the, the earthly affairs of life, and allow you to see his mission for your life, his purpose for us has not changed and will not change. And we learned that a little bit last week, but I, I, I see it more vividly even now. And my wife texts me and says, it's a cross-stitch, and she's laughing, all right? So thanks. It is a cross-stitch, just in case we're still wondering. It's a cross-stitch. But the point is, it's an eagle, and I am thankful for that picture uh, today of an eagle that rises above. And I see this right here in this, pa this passage of Scripture that the church just continues on. We come out of chapter number 12. We see there's unrest. Yes, the Word of God is growing, but they don't get, they don't, they don't get all consumed with everything that's happening in the world. They continue on in the mission. And so the title of our message this morning is this. The church just moves on. And listen, friends, we need to just move on. Now, I don't know what the next week, next two weeks look like, but I do know one thing. The church's mission does not change. My mission as a believer, what Christ has called me to do, does not change. It is unaffected by what goes on in the earthly realm. If we had been there ahead of the crucifixion, we would have felt like everything stopped. But you realize, even though even though Jesus was in the tomb, his, his mission, his, his goal was continuing to move on. Three days later, God revealed it, and it just continued to move on. Satan thinks he has a victory, and he will have a, a victory in a sense if the church says, you know what, this is the end. That is not what we need to be saying. We need to take a note from the, the church at Antioch and realize that God wants us just to move on. And that doesn't mean that you don't have opinions. That doesn't mean that you, uh, that you don't uh, get involved. It doesn't mean that you're a pacifist. It doesn't mean that you're fatalistic. It doesn't mean any of that. But it does mean we have one higher calling, and that calling is the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want us to catch a hold of this from this church and see what kind of church they were, because I want to be this kind of church. And we need this kind of church here in Kettering. We need this kind of church in the world. We need a great revival of this in our country. Listen, God has often revived his people through difficult and turbulent times. And it is at those points that the church is the strongest, the, the loudest, the most, the most spirit-sensitive, as we'll see in this passage today. And so I want you to catch with me this church of Antioch, and let's, let's, let's ask God, in fact, let's ask God once again here this morning to allow us to be like this. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, 
I'm asking you to revive us as your people. Help us not to be help us not to be persuaded to be on the roller coaster of this world's life. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be like eagles by your strength to rise above the storm and the chaos and the problems and and the frustrations and the, the sin and the corruption and to walk on a heavenly plane with your mission firmly in our hearts. Help us to be like Antioch. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be like these believers at Antioch. Lord, by your spirit, would you unite our church together and would you thrust us forward in your mission? Would we not relapse? Would we go forward with your power and with sensitivity every day to your your spirit? Lord, use us, we pray. Lord, do a work in our hearts right now. We give you that permission again. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at verse number one with me, and I want you to notice a thriving church going on here. Now they, uh, there were in the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, and it lists five different prophets and teachers, but before we realize uh, and look at those guys, I want you to remember something that was said in the previous chapter, that as Paul and Barnabas were there together in the church, that they assembled there and they taught there before they were sent down uh, to uh, Jerusalem with that relief money. They taught, they, they assembled there with a year. There was an assembly that was going on. This church, as is described here, and that word, the church, is an assembly. They were assembling together. I want us to realize something, that these people were not just surviving in their climate, in their culture, in, their, in the, the midst of the chaos going on in that day, they were thriving. They were still assembling. Now the church, there were in the church, this gathering. We've defined this over and over, but the church is an assembly of called out believers out of this world by the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not just an assembly. We're an assembly that is called out of the world by Jesus Christ. He is our king, as we learned this morning. Isn't that a blessing, by the way? Boy, boy. I mean, you you think, all right, we've exhausted the descriptors of our Lord Jesus Christ. No, we haven't exhausted it. And and you know what? All of eternity, we're going to be able to be together and continue to describe the goodness and the greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the church is called out by him. That's our king. That's my king. I own him. I, I, I receive him. I, I accept him. I acknowledge his kingship in my life. And so here we have them assembling together. And this assembly was a viable, uh, healthy, thriving, growing assembly. And they had drawn the attention of those in the city of Antioch so much so that the city was saying, hey, you're a bunch of little Christ running around. Our nation needs to see a bunch of little Christ running around. They need to see that in my life and yours. And friends, how important it is for you as you go tomorrow to the workplace. Yes, you might have an opinion. Okay, fine, but march quickly. Get the conversation quickly to my king gives me stability. My king gives me peace. My king helps me, helps me through difficult times. And so here's a church that was assembling together. Now there were in this church, this called out assembly, there in the city of Antioch, just like our city, it's no different. Let's not, let's not think that the people at Antioch were some super Christians. They're just like us. Had cares just like us. 
They were subject to economic concerns. They were subject to family problems. They were subject to divisions. They were just like us, but they were assembling together. And there inside that church, they were abounding. I want you to notice, because we have prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manan, and Saul. God highlights five different individuals that are communicating the word of God to the church. Do you know the key to our church being successful and growing and thriving is the word of God. If we come into these services together and we do not value the word of God, the, the communication of the word of God, we will fall apart. I'll tell you this week, on Wednesday, Psalm 104, I told our Sunday school class this morning, the word of God ministered to my heart multiple times this week, but the word of God, especially Psalm 104, every single verse, every single nuance of that, of that psalm just get, spoke life into my heart. It is the word of God and the communication of God's word. The entrance of thy word giveth what? Light. What is that light? That's illumination, that's direction, that's understanding. If uh, you feel drawn away from the word of God, that's, that's not God doing that. That's, that's other forces. That's Satan's spiritual warfare in your life to draw you away from what will give you true legitimate strength and illumination and light, light for the way forward. And so here we have this church gathering together, but they're hearing the word of God. God points out that there's five individuals in this this church, and likely they're spread out in different, uh, different parts around town and uh, maybe in different homes, front rooms, uh, doubtable that they had uh, a, a gathering place maybe such as, as this to gather together in. They're gathering together and they're being taught from the word of God. Now here, a prophet, don't let the word scare you, the prophet here was giving the revelation of God, was declaring the revelation of God, thus saith the Lord. In fact, that's what the Old Testament prophets did as well. They declared the word of God. Over in 1 Thessalonians, the Bible tells us not to despise prophesying. What's God telling the New Testament believer? Do not despise the forthtelling, the, the communication of God's word, the declaration of God's word. Don't despise that. And so we had the prophets there that were declaring the revelation of God's word. Thus saith the Lord. Aren't you thankful we have it complete right here? Thus saith the Lord. It's right here. We can open it up. It's not my word. I, I could not in a million years uh, plan out uh, uh, app passages of Scripture to go right along with where we are in our lives. We chose to go through the book of Acts because we want to be an early church type of church. And so as we go along, the, the Lord, he, he lays it all out for us. He's saying, hey, listen, I got a message for you today. It's here. And so they're communicating. They're communicating the revelation of God's truth the teachers gave the interpretation of it, someone that would cause the understanding. Now, the Bible tells us that a pastor and a teacher is to be able to do both. He's supposed to be apt to teach. Uh, some of you may use them, some of you don't, but you realize um, the whole reason that I, as a pastor, put together in a sermon a, a guide and use screens is not just to be cool. No, really, it's not. It's a part of the teaching process. There are some things that in a, in a preaching atmosphere, I might, not, I might not get to, I might skip over, but I want, I want you to be able to walk home with scripture passages and be able to reflect on it. Uh, the Bible, uh, the, uh, just, just human nature tells us that the, the more of our senses that are involved, uh, it helps us to learn. 
So if we have our hands writing, our ears hearing, our eyes seeing, it helps us, does it not? So I just want us to understand that the mission of the church has never been different. Here in the church, they were hearing the word declared, and they were gaining understanding of the word. They were growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, they were abounding. Barnabas was one of those teachers. He was the son of encouragement. They were serving the Lord there in this church, uh, these guys as a team. And I say church, I, I really do want us to have the understanding that they were likely spread out in different parts of Antioch. But they were there as this called out, uh, out assembly. And so we have Barnabas, that son of encouragement. He's coming along as that pastor just saying, listen, we can continue on. Cleave to the Lord. Simeon, he was likely uh, a, a Jew by birth, um, most likely from Africa. And I want you to realize that he was there a part of teaching. I don't know which part of, of the communication of God's word he was doing, but he was there, and he's noted as one that was teaching them and helping them. Lucius. Uh, from Cyrene, one of the first to preach Christ in Antioch, according to Acts 11, verse number 20. Uh, he was there communicating and being faithful in that. This one is interesting to me. Uh, Manian, uh, he grew up with Herod Antipas. At some point along the way, he saw through the, the, the Roman government and all the pomp and circumstance and realized that his faith couldn't be in that, and he received the Lord Jesus Christ, was a convert from high rank, and probably uh, great wealth. And he is following the Lord, and here as a part of nurturing and admonishing and communicating God's truth in the church of Antioch. And Saul, you remember his religious background, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and here he is being used of God to encourage that church. Now, why in the world does God give us that list? I think part of it, just from observation, you have men from all over, all sorts of social backgrounds, geogra geographical backgrounds, economic backgrounds, religious backgrounds, who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who have surrendered to his call, who are in the church serving together. And so what we see here is this eclectic group of men from all kinds of backgrounds serving the Lord together in agreement about God's truth and helping the church to grow and helping the church to be encouraged. Listen, the word of God and the communication of the word of God, just as we've had Sunday school classes this morning, different people communicating the word of God and encouragement happens, you realize that God uses his word to lift the church up above the fray of life, above the chaos, and to help us stay centered on his mission. That's exactly what was going on here in the church of Antioch. They were ministering, they were serving the Lord. This word minister is the same word that is used of priestly duties in Hebrews 10 and verse 11. Literally ministering before the Lord, serving before the Lord. Do you consider the work that you do in this place, I should say, in this body, do you consider it as your service before the Lord? Do you consider, think about your involvement. Think about what you do in this place, how you serve. Do you consider that service as before the Lord? The Bible says of these five individuals that they were serving before the Lord. Listen, friends, you're not serving one another, at least directly. You serve him, and by serving him, you serve each other. I'll tell you what, that'll give you some fuel in your tank when you start to feel empty. 
It'll help you. It'll help you continue on. Oh, they were serving the Lord. They were proclaiming and explaining his word to the assembly, but they were seeking the Lord. Look there, they were fasting. They were abstaining from certain foods so as to get the mind of the Lord. They were neglecting, set aside, uh, setting aside physical appetites in order to seek the Lord. Why? Because they knew in that day they really needed the mind of the Lord. And would you not agree with me? We need the mind of the Lord right now. Now, we always have. And sometimes I wonder if God looks down on his children, the sheep of his pasture, and, and say, well, it's about time that you realize you needed me. I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm just, I'm just saying we've always needed the Lord. I, I need the Lord uh, today as much as I needed him one year ago. I've always needed the Lord. But it is in these times where we begin to realize, Lord, give us your direction. Here in this passage of Scripture, they begin to fast and pray before the Lord. Now, I wonder what they were praying about as a church. I have no doubt they were praying for souls in their community. I have no doubt that they were praying that the Lord would help them to be faithful. I have no doubt that, the Lord, um, that, um, that they were also praying what Jesus told us to pray. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest field. Don't you believe that they were praying these things and many more and they had set aside physical appetites in order to pray and to seek the Lord together as this, this group of teachers and preachers and saying, Lord, would you do this work? Verse number two, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Do you realize that their, their choice to seek the Lord through prayer and fasting gave them sensitivity to the Holy Spirit? I need to be sensitive to the Spirit this week, and so don't you. We need the Lord to give us guidance by His Spirit. And sometimes in the craziness of all that goes on, the chaos, our ears can be tuned into all these different things, and I understand that. Our ears can be tuned into those things, and we miss the voice of the Spirit. Maybe the Lord would lead you to fast and pray this week, to set aside some, some physical appetite, uh, sometimes we think about fasting. Well, I've got to just not eat. There's, there's some folks that, that can't, can't do that. Uh, fasting is the idea that I'm setting aside a physical appetite. Maybe it's something very special to you that you set aside. But you set that aside for the purpose of prayer. And for the purpose of getting the mind of the Lord and being sensitive to him. And so here's a church that is abounding. We just, I, I, I sense it. There's the, the communication of God's word. They're serving the Lord in that way. They're fasting. They're seeking the Lord for direction. They're not just doing it on their own and by their own uh, will. They're abounding in the work of the Lord, as we've been told to do in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. And by the way, that verse still stands. It still stands. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In the context of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. We don't know when he's coming back. Let's continue to be steadfast and abound in the work of the Lord as they did. So here's a thriving church, assembling and abounding. They are going forward for the Lord. They're, they've risen above. They've chosen to walk on a higher plane. They've chosen to walk in the context of a heavenly kingdom that is undeterred by the things and the threats and the corruption of an earthly kingdom. And so they are continuing on. This was a thriving church. And oh, that we would be in a thriving church. Oh, that we would, would seek that. Oh, that we would pray that for one another. Oh, that we would abound in, uh, in our service to the Lord. Oh, that we would continue our assembling. You know what the Bible told us? 
The Bible told us as we see the days approaching, particularly his coming, that we were to assemble all the more. Let's banish the whole thought, the thought process. Oh, you know, I, gotta, I got to check, check off my one time a week or my two times a week or my three times a week. Boy, that's such a burden. No. But I have a feeling that the Lord's going to revive his church in a way that we, we can't get it together enough. As we become more and more isolated in this dark world, or more and more uh, different, distinct, I have a sense that God is going to cause us to realize how sweet the assembly is. And so they're assembling and they're abounding. That's the kind of church they are. And that's the kind of church that God could use to reach the world. And I want you to notice what happens. They were a thriving church, but they were a ascending church because in verse number 2 and 3, as they're praying, the, get the picture, they are, they're in an attitude of seeking the Lord. Lord, what do you want us to do? Lord, we pray that you would move us forward. We pray that you would send forth labors in the harvest field. Help us to be faithful in your work. Notice what happens. They become ascending church. One man said it this way, the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. Now, we've lost that, that mentality in our day. And as we talk and as we pray about church planning, I, I trust that you will come along with what the Holy Ghost is trying to do with this, this church and help us to realize there needs to be a sending out. There needs to be a sending forth. God's going to do that in our church as we continue to seek him. I believe that with all my heart. So we can get, well, how big is your church? That's, you know, it's like one of the number one questions that a pastor gets asked. No one has ever asked me, how many people have you sent to the mission field? And I shouldn't say, how many have you sent, because here we notice the Holy Spirit does the sending. But we don't have God's perspective on this matter. We think it's all about us building our kingdom. And there's a little bit of a, 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 a wrongful spiritual pride in how many. Um... I'm thankful that isn't on the lips of everyone around here. I don't believe that we ought to have an us for no more. I think that's wrong. Right? And have you ever been to a church where it's the, you couldn't break into that church if you tried? You were in a service, but they, they drew a circle around you, and you were a guest, and you're not welcome in this assembly. Because this, 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 and this, you don't, you don't. I thank God for your spirit towards welcoming people into this family. Let's, let's continue to grow in that. Let's never be a church that, that is us for no more. There's the, the opposite extreme. We're all consumed with numbers. You know, truth is always in the balance, right? Right? So God wants more people to come to him, doesn't he? Don't, don't you want more people in our area, more of your friends to come to the Lord Jesus Christ? I do. Okay, so Lord, let's, let's, let's not get number crazy. Lord, whatever you want to do with us, but our concern ought to be, Lord, where can we continue to reach out? And that was a concern of this, this church, ascending church. And so notice the call of the missionaries in verse number two. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, so they're in tune with the Lord. The leadership was in tune with the Lord, and there were following in tune with the Lord, separate me, Barnabas, and Saul. What? No, wait a minute. Lord, can't you choose the people that annoy me in the church and send them out? Now think about this. 
God has just put his hand upon the people in the church that were Barnabas, the encourager, the one everyone wanted to be in a lobby conversation with. Everyone wanted to be around Barnabas because if you're going to be around Barnabas, you're going to get encouraged in the Lord. If you're going to get around Paul, you're going to get a deep doctrinal message and it's going to be, it's going to be like, wow, God said that? So you have, this, you have these two uh, key individuals in the church and God says, I want you to separate them. I want you to segregate them for a job that I have for them to do. I want you to put them apart. I want you to exclude them. I want you to, to, uh, to submit them to my use. And so I want us to realize something here. The Holy Spirit issued a specific call on specific people for a specific work. I've heard many people that, that will denounce the specific call of God on a person's life. Typically, I've heard that denounced by people who are fighting a call of God. I'll tell you, and I've, I, I've told you before, the specific call of God in my life when I was 17, that was a life-changing week. As life-changing as salvation was when I was the age of 12, the age of 17, when God dealt with me for a period of five days, dealing with me about me wanting to go my way, I was a typical teenager with desires and uh, ambitions. And God said, no, and if you do not choose to follow my path, I am not going to guarantee you the rest of your life. And I am so glad. I don't know how long God will let me live, but the fact is I knew on that day I had a choice to make. It was a specific call. On this day, there was a specific call. Perhaps on your life, there's a specific call. You know it, and you're struggling with it. Give in. Say, yes, Lord. Whatever he's calling you to do, say, yes, Lord, to him. A specific call on, your, on, on a life. And so there was a duty that God was saying, I have a duty for these guys to perform. Now, I want us to consider this call and consider these men. I want us to think about this. This call was received as they served the Lord. One of my big burdens and prayers right now, as we kind of continue on and, and we constantly hear of churches that need pastors, are we not praying for the Fellowship Baptist Church over in Fairmount, West Virginia to get a pastor? Why should it be taking a year and a half for a pastor to come to a church? I ask you. When I go to Bible colleges and I'll, I'll walk around and I'll, I'll see that there are people hanging out waiting for the call of God. Do you know what we see here in this passage of Scripture? We see here that there were those that got involved in the work, and as they served, the Lord moved them. And we've lost track of something. We don't just wait on the will of God and we'll all be passive for a couple, a couple of years and, and see what God does. No, you get into the work of God, the mission of the church, and begin to move in the mission. Well, I know God has something for me someday out there. What are you doing right now to impact the mission of God in this world? How are you serving right now? And sometimes I believe people will miss their whole life's calling because they refuse to find service, find an opportunity of service within the church. That's sad. There have been some that have gone, gone through and, well, we'll, ju we'll just wait. Listen, get involved in the church, serve the Lord with all your mind. If the Lord leaves you in that service, fine, you've served him in that way. But here we find that as they served the Lord, they received the call. This call was from the Spirit. It was not self-proclaimed. And here's something else that we see in our churches today. Sometimes people say, well, I have been called. And I, I'm, not, I'm not against that, the acknowledgement of it. 
But what I am saying is the Spirit of God was the one that was saying, hey, this is a calling. Um, I remember going to my pastor and, and mentioning to him, listen, I, uh, the Lord hasn't let me go for this long. He recognized what God was doing in my heart. Uh, I was not coming to him to tell him what it was going to do. I was coming saying, listen, the Holy Spirit, this is, this is something I cannot get away from. Now, before I go any further in this, there are some of you here that are, that are wondering, okay, pastors, sometimes pastors make it sound like everyone is supposed to be called into ministry. And sometimes pastors, in the way that our hearts are burdened, we are, we are seeking, we are, we're hungering to see more people go into the ministry. But you realize that these calls, notice what they were doing. They were serving the Lord in the church, in the context of the church. And that's when the Lord moved them to where he needed them to be. But listen, every one of us have the opportunity to do exactly what Paul and Barnabas were doing and serving before the Lord in the church. So I ask you today, if, if it ruffles you and you, you're like, well, am I called to ministry or, you know, it, is the only thing I can do is be called to full-time ministry? I ask you to just step back away from that and, and ask yourself, what am I doing to edify and to serve this body in this place? What am I doing to serve the Lord right now at Grace Baptist Church? And if your answer is, is, is minimal or I could, do, uh, I could do more, I'd encourage you as, as, a, as a step out of this week, Lord, I want to begin serving. Come, let's talk. But let's get, that, let's get that taken care of. Here, as they served, they heard the voice of the, the Spirit, and it was, it was coming from him. It was something he was moving on their hearts. And this call revealed the heart, heart of the leaders and the church. I want us to realize that as they were praying, they were seeking the Lord, it, it, it revealed their, their heart. Well, we, we want to do what you want us to do. Because it says that they said yes. And it also said they weren't, they weren't trying to hold on because, as I mentioned a moment ago, it, it, it included two key components to the church, Paul and Barnabas. Do you think they were going to miss them in, the, in, in working together? Certainly they were. Spirit selected people who were already busy serving the Lord, not waiting on the sidelines. Let's not wait on the sidelines, friends. Let's serve the Lord. Say, well, I could never, I could never be an evangelist. I could never serve the Lord as a missionary. Let's not worry so much about out there. Let's remember what they were doing in that moment. They were serving before the Lord right there. Do you realize that the church is the place where God grows up us spiritually and prepares us to be what he wants us to be? Do you think, is it possible in this room right now is sitting a missionary that will go to Morocco, a missionary that will go, you say, well, certainly, we have young people. No, 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 I wasn't saying that. Do you think he might send a 40-something-year-old or a 50-something-year-old? You say, not me. Listen, if we all get busy in the work of the Lord and ministering before the Lord in this place, there is no telling what God will do with us. Let's be faithful to serve him here. And so there was this call that came to these, to these individuals, Paul and Barnabas in specific. They were busy serving the Lord. Uh, one man said it this way, it's easier to steer a moving, sh uh, moving ship than one that's sitting in the dock. Don't be a, 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 a dock-side Christian. Get out in the water, 
well, I could never teach. I could never serve the Lord in that way at Grace Baptist Church. I could never get out in the water by faith, start moving for the Lord, just see what the Lord will do. And uh, the, the chances are God, God has on, on, on your heart, on your mind, something that he's been reminding you about you could serve in this way. Why don't you ask the pastor about that? Why don't you ask so-and-so about that? Let's be busy serving the Lord like they were, and uh, they were called, and the Lord called them. But notice what happens now. The church commissions them. So the call comes from God, but the church said, we recognize it. Notice, a church like Antioch might be tempted to hold on to those believers that are active serving the Lord. Well, if we, if we lose them, then who's going to fill their spot? Now, what are we going to do if, if we lose them? The fact of the matter is God will bring along other people as they're sensitive to the Lord, and they weren't tempted to hold on to them. They, they let them go. They commissioned them. And when, verse number three, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So every step in this process is being bathed in prayer and fasting. We want to be sensitive to you. Lord, is this you? Is this what you want us to do? They're bathing in prayer. And the laying on the hands was not the calling, but the recognizing of the call. It was not the calling, but the recognizing of the call. And uh, still today, the ordaining of individuals to gospel ministry, that's what that is. God does the calling. Oftentimes in an ordination uh, service for a, a, a preacher or ordination council where they're questioning about doctrine and about practice and so on, they'll often ask, some, uh, one of the preachers will often ask something like this, uh, if we don't ordain you, what are you going to do? Well, I got a call from God. And oftentimes that question is asked to see, uh, is that call coming from us or is it coming from God? We got a call from God. Now the church did right by laying their hands and saying, we recognize this. Timothy was told this of Paul, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of, of my hands. I, I, and he said in another place, by the, the putting on the hands of the presbytery, of the, the, uh, the preachers gathering around and saying, we acknowledge the gospel call in your life. We acknowledge what the Spirit is doing in your life. And so we, we commission you into that ministry. And so they're recognizing that. They sent them away. They dispatched them. Don't you like that? I like that a whole lot. I get to work with the police department, and I go up and dispatch, and I hear them dispatching different, uh, different uh, officers to different places. That's a really cool thing. But and you, I just love the, the picture of the church being a dispatch center for the gospel. Don't you believe that in the coming days, God's going to bring to our attention some areas uh, within a two-hour radius of our church, perhaps, and say, hey, hey, there's a church that needs to be planted over here, and wouldn't it be a blessing if we could dispatch some spirit-called individuals to go over and help start that church? Well, I think that's an amen. I want it to be so. And they were a dispatch center. They sent them away. They sent them towards a designated goal. They sent them with uh, wholeheartedly agreeing with what the, God was doing in their lives. How important that is. They were a thriving church. They were a sending church. They got in with what God was doing. They sent them forth. But I want you to notice they're an advancing church. They're on the move. They're continuing to stay above the fray. The assembly was not staying in Antioch. It was advancing outside and beyond the limits of Antioch. 
Even over into the island, as we'll see, their heart as a thriving church was to advance. I want you to notice that out of this church, there would be many churches planted in, in Cyprus and also up in Asia Minor. There would be many churches that would be planted because they sent forth Paul and Barnabas. What an amazing, amazing thing. And so they were a reproducing church. They were, they were advancing forward. They were not just keeping it all to themselves. They were advancing forward. My prayer is that we would be that kind of church. Advancing forward, constantly moving forward. Oh Lord, where do you want us? Where do you want us to plant a church? How do you want us to reproduce? Uh, what, what nations do you want us to be a part of touching with missionaries? Lord, we want to send forth missionaries out of our group. Oh, that we'd be praying like they did. Send forth labors into thy harvest field. Oh, that we'd be an advancing church. Notice, as they advanced and sent out these guys, they went as a team. Sometimes we can pass over some, some really good stuff in Scripture, but they went as a team. You know, that's a, that's, a, that's a typical thing, a characteristic thing of gospel ministry. Even going back to Jesus Christ in, uh, in, Luke, chapter number, uh, in Luke chapter number 10, after these things the Lord appointed other 70 and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. He sent them forth as a team, two by two. And so they were sent forth, uh, Paul and Barnabas, together as a team. And I want us just to realize that they went to Seleucia first. And so basically they traveled about 16 miles down to the seacoast, no doubt, preaching the word of God on their way. And they begin this first missionary tour. There's three different missionary tours uh, of the Apostle Paul. But uh, this first uh, missionary tour uh, starts out in Seleucia. Uh, 16 miles away from Antioch, and then they sail over to Cyprus in the Mediterranean Sea. Now, this is kind of interesting because Cyprus was the, the home area of Barnabas. We find that out in Acts chapter number 4. So he goes back to his hometown. Paul was from Tarsus, uh, north of Antioch there, uh, on the north part of the Mediterranean Sea. It's not on your map there, but uh, he was from Tarsus, but, but Barnabas was from that island in the Mediterranean, Cyprus. Uh, the believers from Cyprus, as I mentioned, were the, among the first to preach the gospel to the Greeks in Antioch. So God used believers that were already present on Cyprus to be missionaries to Antioch. Isn't that cool? How they're now sending missionaries over to Cyprus to continue to encourage and to strengthen and to, uh, to begin churches over there. And so the continued church planning effort there was a spirit-led, but really a strategic move. Because Cyprus was an important, it was an important area, but there was already activity going on there. And as they would strengthen that and they'd see that to be built and encouraged, the Lord would use that to send missionaries, continue to send missionaries out. They already had the heart for, um, for missionaries. And then they go down to Salamis. That's where they would have landed there on the island of Cyprus. It was a, a principal city. It was a key city on the, uh, on the island. It would have been the seaport, the main seaport uh, from the mainland. And it's situated southeast part of the island. So there they are. They've landed there. They're going to be pre and preaching in the synagogues. They're going to begin to preach to the Jew first and then also to the, to the Greek. And the missionary team is this Paul and Barnabas together. And God is using this team. And I just want us to remember this as we work in the Lord. Sometimes we have the mindset, well, I can do this all by myself. I know how to do this. But I want us to realize something that 
in gospel work, in the service of the Lord, it is, it is great to have a team. It is great to have a team. You might be able to do it on your own, but look for somebody to include with you. Do it together with somebody. Uh, it's, it's enjoyable, whether you're cleaning the church, or whether you're mowing the lawn or teaching a class. The team aspect is so very important. There's fellowship there. There's great fellowship in, the, uh, in teaming together for the Lord. So here these guys are. They're working together. Did Paul have the smarts to go do this on his own? Yeah, sure he did. But they're teaming together. Uh, you say, well, I'm, I'm nervous about getting involved in ministry. Do you know there's a great, great way to get your feet wet in ministry? Go team. I'd like to teach a Sunday school class someday, but I don't know if I could do that. Be a helper in a Sunday school class. Be a team. Uh, be the one who passes out the crayons to the children. Well, I, I'd like to be involved in sponsoring a, a table with the, with the Adventure Kids on, on, on Wednesday night, but I just don't know if I can do that. Go sit down. Be a team member. Go sit down at a table. Join in with somebody that's doing that. Learn as you go. But I also love what is going on here. Not only is there this team, and you see that the team is greater than just Paul and Barnabas. They were the preachers on the team. But there's someone else that God mentions, and that's John Mark. John Mark was their minister. Notice, he was their minister. In other words, he was their assistant. He came along as a person, a young man. The Bible says, back up in chapter number 11, they were praying together. Chapter number 12, they're praying, uh, praying together, and, and, uh, and God, uh, God used uh, John Mark's mom to, to host the prayer meeting at her home. He's seen all that. Now they're, John Mark is moving on with Paul and Barnabas as a servant to them, as a helper to them, as a person that would assist them. And this is a mentorship. And so notice they didn't just go as a team, but they mentored as they went. Who can you mentor in this church? What younger believer can you mentor? Who can you pull alongside of you in your walk with the Lord and your calling uh, in the Lord? Certainly our families need to be mentored by us, right? Dads, our, our, our families need to be mentored. They need to be brought along. There's other people within the, the Christian fellowship, the, the church, that need to be mentored. Oh, that we would have that heart like they did to mentor. Parents, I, I, I would like to encourage you in this way. Do you notice that at some point along the way that John Mark's mom had to say in her mind, had to, to rest in her mind, I'm going to allow my son to go with these two guys on, a, on an adventure. Now, I don't know if John Mark had ever been away from home before or had ever sailed to Cyprus, but at some point along the, the lines, there was, there was going to need to be a surrender of mom to a young man saying he can go. And I just want us to, to realize and learn from her, not only did she have a prayer meeting in her house, had hospitality towards the church of God gathering together in her home, but she also had a heart that her son would be around preachers and around the work of the Lord. One of the greatest ways for us to develop young people to have a heart for ministry is get them around ministry. Do not expect, if you keep your kids home and isolated from the ministry, of the church, the, the work of the church, do not expect them to have a heart for the Lord. If you neglect the ministry, do not expect your children to have a heart for ministry. I know, all the amens just dried up. No, it's real. And I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to overuse, but this does not shine on me. The reason that that 
my family, the brothers, have a heart for ministry is because we watch our parents consistently for 42 years minister, even when sometimes they weren't treated right, but just consistently minister and minister and minister. There was no doubt about the priority. It was the ministry. It was the work of the church. It was the ministry. And friends, I'm telling you, we, we look at this generation. We say, where are the, the missionaries and where are the pastors and where are the evangelists? And, and, and a pastor gets kind of shot at because he's, uh, you know, we think that, well, everyone has to be that. But listen, not everyone has to be that, but where are the pastors and the missionaries and the, the missionaries coming out of our churches? Where are they? I mean, this church, how old was it? And they're sending out missionaries. They're sending out a young man. How old is this church? We're not, we're not above a couple years. And this church is already engaged in that. And friends, I'm telling you, if, if we as parents do not get back to the mindset that, that, that we need to be personally engaged in the ministry and give our hearts to serving before the Lord, well, let's not expect the next generation to serve the Lord. Let's not expect the next uh, Spurgeon and the next Adoniram Judson to come out of our home if we, haven't, if we haven't dedicated ourselves to the ministering before the Lord. And I just urge you, I urge you, get your children around the ministry of the, of the Lord and do it with them. Don't just send them. Do it with them. Serve the Lord. How can you as a family be serving in this place? How can you as a family be encouraging missionaries? I think right now, we have out in the, the, uh, in the, in the lobby these envelopes. As a family, put that money in that envelope and encourage the missionary at, at, uh, at Christmas time. Write a note to that missionary at Christmas time. Get your children invested in that. Let's as families do that together. And so they mentored as they went. And I want you to notice in verses 6 through 8 that they saw satanic opposition. Shock of shocks. Because as God's word and God's truth and revival moves forward, be, mark it down, there will always be opposition. Always. When they had gone through, pay, uh, 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 through the island unto Paphos, about 150 miles across the bottom side of the island, over to the capital city of the island, Paphos, uh, as they've gone through, they're preaching the, uh, preaching the word, they come across this man named Bar-Jesus. That name really troubles me. Who had the gall to take Jesus' name and name their son that, Think about the upbringing of this, 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 this young man. The son of Jesus. Who? What kind of parent, what, what kind of parent that didn't know Christ that was heathen would, would have done that? And so we, we see this, this young man, is, or this person is a false prophet. He was a Jew. He's a sorcerer. He's a worshiper of Satan. Do we have that going on in our country today? Friends, don't be deceived. We have, we have so masked Satan worship in our country, but it is alive and well. And the sacred right of Satan worship is abortion. They say it. And you wonder about satanic opposition in our day, and you wonder what's going on in our country, we are in a fight between good and evil between Satan and God. That is where the battle is. 
And it's also the reason that we need not be alarmed and we can walk on a higher plane because God's side always wins. And we might not see that, but as we saw how the, how the video ended, he will receive glory, he will receive honor in this, by every person in this country, they will bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the victor. His resurrection proves it. And so we have this man coming up again. So I want you to just get this picture. We are in this city. We have a man whose heart is tender towards the things of God. He hears about Paul and Barnabas coming. I want to hear God's word taught to me. I want to understand more. Sort of like Cornelius, I want to understand more. And Bar-Jesus is in his life, has a connection with him, and says, no, 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 you do not want to hear from these guys. And begins to withstand them, the Bible says. He withstood them. Amazing, he withstood them. And he tried to subvert him, this, this uh, Sergius Paulus, this Roman proconsul, he was the minister of the island, a key individual on the island. He was prudent, the Bible says. He's intelligent, he was wise, he was educated, he had a seeking heart, and this is the one Bar-Jesus said, I, 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 I'm going to push him away from God. Boy, if you've ever, it's amazing to me right now as we just look across our, our country and realize how much Satan wants to shackle us in darkness. And he wants to push Jesus out of the public square. And how he wants to destroy the name of Jesus. But listen, God is more powerful. And we'll see that in a moment. But I want us to also just grab a hold of this truth. This is a Roman proconsul. This is a man who had risen to authority in the Roman government. Doesn't the government have all the answers? Isn't the government the answer to satisfaction in life? Isn't the government uh, the one who's to provide for all of my needs? And so here we have a man who had grown up in this mentality and, and had, uh, was a part of a system that, that, that was, uh, uh, was elevated to God's status before the, in the Roman government. Caesar was worshipped as God. And we have a man who's involved in that whole system, and yet his heart is still hungry for more. And it goes to show that the state can never replace your unique need for God. And you wonder why China feels so threatened by Christianity. Because the state is what they want you to believe is your God. The government is what they want you to believe is your God. And Christianity is in, in, in diametric contrast with that. And so you realize as we rise towards that in our country, why Christianity will become more odious in the, in the nose of government. Because they cannot, they cannot have agreement. And so here's a man whose heart is, is touched and he's seeking, and Satan is actively trying to turn him away. I was walking through Five Below a couple weeks back, and I noticed a little kit of tarot cards for kids. Mark my words, we are in a satanic battle in our country. And you might not like that, and frankly, I, I, it, I understand you might have opinions on that, but the fact is, wake up, Christian. We are in a battle for righteousness. 
And I believe with all my heart we have to walk on this higher plane that is the kingdom of God, realizing he still has a purpose and he is going to accomplish that purpose, and I want to be a part of that purpose, but it does not cause me to close my eyes, bury my head in the sand. There's a battle going on right now. And we want to be a part of what God wants to do. And this is what gives me excitement about this passage of God. The rest of the passage shows that the power of God trumps the 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 uh, the attack of Satan in this time. And so notice in verse number 9 and 11, then Saul, filled with the Holy Ghost. Let's say that with me. Then Saul, filled with the Holy Ghost. What is this filling? This filling is the controlling, the empowerment of, of Saul by the Holy Ghost. He set his eyes on him. Now, this was not Paul just kind of rising up in righteous, you know, just anger and I'm going to take care of this issue and I'm going, to, I'm going to fight Satan all on my own. He was filled with the Holy Ghost, friends. You and I are no match for Satan. The spiritual battle is beyond us. God is the victor. He, the battle is his. And we need today and we need tomorrow and we need on Tuesday. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit. Don't walk into your day without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the moments that we walk into our day, whether it's a family day at home, the moment that we walk into a day without the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm not talking about a, a second blessing. I'm talking about a fresh anointing where the Holy Spirit is in control of your life. He's governing your attitudes. He's governing your opinions. He's governing your actions and what you, what you say. He's filling you. He's controlling you. He is it. The Bible uses the correlation of being intoxicated. In Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. And so we find that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He already had the Holy Spirit indwelling him, but he was filled in this moment with the Holy Spirit of God. The Lord was empowering him. And notice verse number 10, we find he is uh, speaking with boldness. Do you realize why many believers are not bold in this day and not confident in this day and are cowering in the face of satanic uh, oppression and opposition is because we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. How can we go up against a force that is so much power, more powerful than us without a more powerful force? I need the Holy Spirit. And so Paul witnesses in boldness in verse number 10. Look at it with me. He said, O full of subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil. Wait a minute, he is name-calling. Thou enemy of all righteousness. Wilt thou not cease to perverse the right ways of the Lord? He calls them out, friends. He didn't do this in his own strength. The filling of the Spirit always brings boldness and confidence in our ministry and our Christian walk. If you feel like cowering right now, whatever you're facing in your own life, whatever we're facing around in the world, if you feel like cowering, I urge you, to get alone with Jesus and ask for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And you say, that, that spooks me. Didn't that like fall? No, no, the Bible is full of speaking about the filling of the Holy Spirit. It is a biblical doctrine not to be dismissed. One of the books that, has, that radically uh, gripped me on this subject was the autobiography of Dr. Don Sisk. A man about this tall, who the Lord used for years to lead BIMI, Baptist International Missions, 
and to see God work in so many different countries. And I got to the part where he, young in his ministry, began to realize and heard a message on the filling, the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. He says, I don't understand all of this, but God, I want all of it. And his life, his marriage, his family was radically changed by that very truth. The power of God. I don't have power, you don't have power, but with the Holy Spirit we have power. And Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It brought boldness and confidence in his ministry in the face of adversity. He would need a lot more of that as he went ahead. And notice in verse number 11, the blindness of the sorcerer. Paul did not cause the blindness. Did you notice what Paul said to him? The hand of the Lord is upon thee. God is doing this. Just be it known. This isn't something that Paul's doing to you. God alone is doing this in your life. He is causing this blindness in your life. And so the battle was God's then. The battle is God's now. God's hand is still mighty to move. Is God's hand shortened that it should not save? Did God lose control of his hand? Did God, did, did God forget how to exercise the power from his hand? Now, I don't know what that'll look like, and I don't know, I don't know how that's going to change your life in your specific uh, situations of life, but the fact is, realize that when we're anointed with the Holy Spirit, we're being controlled by him, we can see God come through in power, and we ought not back down. We ought not, uh, we ought not in our lives say, you know what? Just give up. Let Satan win. Is your family worth it? Is your marriage worth it? Is your child's life worth it? Is your next-door neighbor worth it? Well, Satan's opposing us. I'm trying to witness. Is that life worth it? Let's see the power of God come through. Let's believe that. God is not to be put inside of a box. God can still and does still do this. And God is the one who fights the battle. And it's um, clearly seen here. We need to rest in him fighting the battle. That does not make us passive. Would you, would you say that Paul was passive in this moment? Not at all. He was just following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need. Notice in verse number 12. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the what? Wait a minute. Shouldn't he have been astonished at the boldness of Paul? Guys, we get it all wrong. We try to go fight God's battles. We act like it's all about us. God's word is what did it. Some of you sit and for years you've repeated the same thing. I can't witness. Because you're trying to be the, you're trying to be the weapon. Your words, your clever speech, your arguments, your, your wits, your mentality, your attitude, your personality, none of that stuff matters. Do you notice what happens here? The word of God is what. The word of God is what gripped his heart. What does it mean? The word of God was what was coming off of, of Paul's mouth in this moment. The word of God is what he was proclaiming. It was the doctrine. It was the, the truth of God's word that led Sergius to believe. And wonder of wonders, that's exactly what the Bible says in Romans 10 and verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to go out this week with the word of God on our lips. The way that we combat 
And the way that we stand up in the, uh, in the midst of opposition, satanic opposition, is by the power of the Holy Spirit declaring the word of God. You say, well, how is that going to be possible? I can have a job. Do you have conversations at work? Do, do you have conversations about family and about social things? I, I cannot imagine that this week there will not be a conversation in your, in your sphere of life with someone that does not know Christ about what's going on in our country. Is there not the ability to open up John 16 and verse number 33 that says, hey, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, and I just want you to know that Jesus Christ is the answer to peace in your life? Is there not the ability for us to rise above as an eagle, rise above all this chaos, and give the word of God and declare the word of God? Friends, we've gotten so compartmentalize and I do my church thing and I do my Sunday thing and I do my, my witnessing thing every day of the week how important it is for us to get out there and as Paul declare the word of God and you know what there will be people that are astonished by the word of God because they don't know it in class this morning our friend Derek was uh, on talking about a person that wondered uh, what happened to Jesus on the cross did his body just decay people don't know And it is up to us to witness of the Lord Jesus Christ and to, to, to preach the word of God and to share it and to declare it. That's exactly what Paul did. And Sergius, this ranking official, the administrator of the island, said, I believe. I accept. Maybe you're here today and you're like a Sergius. You need to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior with everything in me. I beg you to receive Jesus Christ today. He will be the friend that never leaves you. He will not let you down. His word is always true. It will speak life into you. He will change you. You do not need to try to change yourself. He will change you by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. I'm so thankful we don't lead people to Christ. It's not with our clever arguments and our words. It's with the word of God. And there are people all over our community that are still trapped. And oh, that we get a, a, a vision. There are people in Grenada right now that need the word of God. And they need us to be a part of what God is doing and what God's allowed us to do. There's people in Morocco. There's people in Kenya. There's people in New Zealand. Just this, this past month, we, we heard that a missionary that we support is retiring um, from the island there. Hey, someone needs to go back there. Someone needs to go to New Zealand and fill that spot and continue to, to be a missionary in that, in that area. I'm just saying that there are people that are trapped in darkness and it is the word of God just like the Apostle Paul. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Oh, that we would, we would do it. And I ask you today as a church, would you allow Christ, his word, this is, he said he was the living word. Would you allow his word to lift you up above the chaos of what we're living in right now? I know it's on our hearts. I, I know it's on my heart. But would you allow Christ to lift you up above the chaos? Maybe that chaos is just in, your, in your, your life, your home, your job. Would you allow Christ to lift you above that chaos and help you to accomplish his mission in the world right now through the power of the Spirit? You say, Pastor, we just keep coming back to the same thing over and over. Well, as we go through the book of Acts, we'll keep coming back to the same thing over and over and over because God wants us to see it. And I don't know about you, I feel re-centered. My battle is not down here. My battle is with him up here, and it affects what is going on down here, but it affects it in a different way than we typically think. God help us to be a church that's thriving, sending, advancing, going forward. 
irregardless. We're like an eagle just rising above. Rising above it all. God help us. And would he help you in that way? And so I ask you to pray and, uh, and seek him in that way this morning. Would you bow with me in prayer? Are you thriving or just surviving? Are you willing to embrace this morning that Christ's work continues on no matter what's happening in our world? Will you let him give you wings as eagles, rise above the chaos in your life, society, wherever that chaos presents itself? so that you can influence people with the truth of the word of God? Are you willing to fast, pray, to seek sensitivity to the spirit of God? These are questions we should grapple with. I wonder how many of you would say, Pastor, by way of testimony, I do know for certain that I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. I know my sins are forgiven. And I know if I were to die tonight, I'd spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. I know that for certain. That's my testimony. Would you raise your hand to the Lord this morning? That's my testimony. I know for sure that I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. Wow, what a great testimony. You can put your hands down. Thank you for that. Isn't that great to be saved? Amen. Maybe you're here today and you can't raise your hand. I understand, in fact, all of us were there at one point. Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. And I want to invite you to sit down, man with man, woman with a woman, and allow someone to answer any questions that you might have from Scripture. We'll be out in the lobby afterwards. And I want to invite you, before you leave today, to get that settled. You can. Jesus wants to save you and forgive you of every sin you ever have committed, that you're committing presently, that you ever will commit. It is a grand gift. And he wants to save you. Does anyone here today say, Pastor, I would like to talk to somebody? I'll not point you out. You say, I, I don't know for certain. And I do have questions about Jesus, about having my sins forgiven, and I'm concerned about that today. Is there anyone like that here? No one looking around? I am concerned about that today. Amen. We'll help you. You're in the right place. Believer, will you embrace that higher plane of living? Will you let the Spirit of God lift you up above the chaos? You say, Pastor, that's my heart. As hard as it is sometimes, that's my heart today. That's my heart. I need God to help me with that. Would you acknowledge that today? Amen. Just acknowledge it by an upraised hand. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for gathering us together in this place. Thank you for the truth of your word. Now, Lord, would you do what only you can do? 
Would you lift us above all this? Help us to walk on a heavenly plane above the storms of life while not forgetting to communicate your word and to influence this present world for you. Lord, we pray for those that don't know you as Savior. We ask that you would give them grace and courage and understanding. Illumine their minds to understand all that you've done for them. We pray that you do a spiritual work in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.